Welcome to Breaking the Norm. Unfortunately, we've been away for a week or two due to circumstances outside of our control, but we are back with our third podcast. In this podcast, we have Gary Jones. Gary is a self-development coach specialising in neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis, as well as being a lifelong martial artist. He is now also an international speaker. Uh, he speaks across the world. Last time I messaged him in the build-up to this, he was in Atlantic City. Um, so I'm happy to have finally caught him back in the UK. In this podcast, we cover what NLP is, personal development, uh, taking responsibility for yourself and many other areas. Uh, it's quite an interesting listen. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Also, I've been given a bit of stick by my mates for sounding a bit robotic on here. That's simply because I usually talk way too fast and you wouldn't be able to understand me. So uh, it's for your benefit. <laughs> right. I uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, here's podcast three. So today we have Gary Jones. Thanks for coming on, Gary. Good. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> so we'll start off. Uh, what What is your background? How have you got to where you are now? Well, it goes to show my age a little bit, really, but I spent... Uh, 20 years in the corporate world and then got out of that that's another long story which we won't get into but then ran some businesses of my own before finally waking up and realizing that what i really loved in life was developing people which led me into the world of self-development so self-development we're talking nlp and hypnosis as well isn't it i think yeah principally not just the only techniques i use but neuro-linguistic programming is a, a base foundation so that, that's um, a key thing that I use, but there are other techniques as well. Okay, so what is neuro-linguistic programming? Essentially, on the, the co-development of that was from Dr. Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And it's just the study of people to see how they do things successfully. How do we model what somebody does exceptionally well and applying that to our own lives? So you, you've recently come back from um, a trip to Jersey... I think, yeah. Yes, that's correct. Where you've been working with, is it an equestrian athlete? A, a, it's a lady for dressage, dressage in the yeah. equestrian. Um, she had a particularly nasty fall um, and was really struggling with getting back on top of her game. But we put that right in a day. And the very next day, in fact, she won, won hands down in a competition. So much so that by the Sunday she entered another competition <laughs> and just smashed her way through that as well. Well, it's... It's been a common theme um, through the last two podcasts I've done and with what we're talking about with NLP today is that I think a lot of things are mindset and how you maybe um, process things, isn't it? So NLP in more in depth is maybe how you process, is it? Well, in terms there's a lot of algorithms of the mind, I guess you could say really, but it's a much bigger link than just the mind. So there's the mindset, but the physiology that you attach as well. So as an example in modelling somebody, how do they stand? How do they hold themselves? A good thing you could perhaps say from it is like method acting. Okay. Right? For stepping into somebody, so somebody like Robert De Niro, classically getting into the whole mindset of his character. Well, you can do the same with your own life. So whether that's be studying an athlete or somebody who's just making a lot of money in a business, like a Richard Branson or something. Yeah. So you, you emulate their traits, their behaviours... You, you do. It comes with some warnings as well, that you don't want to take on all the negative aspects that those yeah, people yeah. may have as well. So Tiger Woods was top of his game at one point. You might not want to take on all of his characteristics <laughs> that he developed later on in life. Um, me and Gary basically did a mini podcast before we even recorded this. We're having a cup of tea. And we covered lots and lots of things, and I really wish I had the record going. Um, but um, I'm going to try and address some of these things again. So um, 
obviously the podcast is on success but um with that we'll talk about all aspects so mental health is a big issue at the moment and um one of the things uh, we mentioned in our mini podcast before the podcast was um that depression pe- people are like a lot of people are looking at oh what what makes the person depressed but weren't you saying you can turn it around on its head and maybe what makes someone not depressed was that was that the principle? The- well, instead of looking at and we're spending our time on how people are doing depression, yeah, it's, it's studying then how are the people that were in the depths of, I mean, even to the, perhaps the point of suicide, really, how did they come out of it? So what are, what are the things that we're doing? I mean, coupled with science studies, like, for instance, we know that the, the frontal cortex, that left side, is just lit up like a light bulb in those that are. So just balancing the left and right brain activities. There are simple things that have been done Guys like Dr. Robert Holden, who's now become known as like Dr. Happy, <laughs> simple principles for changing things around that don't involve made drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, but literally the drugs that exist already in your own body. So how would we go about that? I know we were talking about, um, we were just talking about breathing techniques before this, weren't we? It could be breathing techniques. One of the simplest that I... I put out on a, a website and everything at the moment really is just perhaps a tennis ball anything that you can throw from one hand to the other that could be marching around obviously i run a thai boxing gym as well it could be marching around the room putting left knee to right elbow anything that's getting a balance of left and right brain activity will stop that overactivity in the left brain which leads to depression that's fascinating stuff so well, Maybe. Do you reckon that's why there's a strong link between maybe exercise and sport? Because obviously you've got that coordination and... There is in that. It's, you know, obviously it gets a lot more complicated because then you're introducing endorphins. You're introducing opiates that are produced in your body instead of introducing drugs like heroin and morphine or using your natural opiates that just... Because you've trained yourself so hard. Yeah, But again, those can become addictive in themselves there are lots of people out there are now just addictive to exercise as much as anything else but maybe that's a good thing you know if you're gonna have an addiction well make it something that's productive yeah 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 yeah. definitely um so how would you go about well first of all how do you how do you personally define success and then we'll go on to how you achieve that because obviously you work with a lot of people and the goal is to achieve what they define as success. So for you, what's success? I'd like to keep things really simple. So success is just whatever you define that as. It could be something that people might say it's a positive outcome that you set yourself. Maybe not all positive things are actually what you want as success. If you're playing a game of chess to lose a few pieces you could consider that a failure. But actually, if it's the end game that you're looking for checkmate, that's the success, isn't it? So there are goals all the way along your life. Here's an example I use in the club. If somebody's joining my Thai boxing club, you're coming to learn self-defense. Now, at some point, it's a full contact sport. You're going to get a good smack in the nose. (laughs) Your nose is going to be bleeding. In my club... The only two words you can use is thank you, otherwise it's going to result in more pain. The person that's done the punching of the nose, the two words, or one word rather, they're not allowed to use is sorry. Now why? Life is a series of lessons. If you've come to learn self-defense, 
If you move to blame because somebody's just smacked you in the nose and made your nose bleed, you haven't learned anything. So you'll have to be smacked in the nose the week after that, <laughs> the week after that, and the week after that, until you Negative accept it's your <laughs> responsibility to block the punch. That's what you came to learn. Which is why you're not allowed to say sorry if you've done the punching. Because then you've denied the other person the opportunity to learn. You've said that was my fault, not yours. And there is the analogy of life. Yeah. 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 So I, I was very lucky last September. I was in Malaga with a lot of top financial traders from around the world. And I was asked to present some sports psychology. I presented that as an analogy to use in their trading as well. Some of those people are trading in tens of millions of pounds. They may lose that in a day. Let's say you lose 10 million pounds. It's all relative to our own lives. It might be a tenner to us, but 10 million for them. They should say thank you. And then analyse why they lost the money. What in their psychology, what in their method, their strategy, caused them to lose the money? Because then they can learn and not repeat it the next time. Or you could throw a tantrum saying it was the market, it was yeah. Donald Trump, it was the EU changed the policy, trading wars. Then you're just going to have to repeat it all over again. But basically, everything is your responsibility. It comes back to you. Yeah, yeah. There are some things, obviously, beyond your control. Yeah. Yeah. You may go on holiday and end up in a war zone. That's not really <laughs> something that you constructed yourself. Mm. But certainly, you know, well, a good while back in my lifetime, I used to foster children really and in that some of those have been through horrendous things and I used to recount to them that you're not responsible for what's happened to you but you certainly are responsible for how you react to it from here on in that's the bit you can control we can control how we think of things internally it may not feel like that sometimes that's what neuro linguistic programming that's what self-development the whole thing is designed to help us learn to take control of our emotions and our thought patterns themselves. I like, I like that idea. It's, um, I suppose in any situation, is how you react to it. Because you've, you've always got... I think, was it Lindsay on my last podcast said that... Um, he was saying it's how you process information coming in. And then you can take a positive out of almost ev every situation, even though it might not seem it. I suppose some horrendous uh, things could happen, but... If you you could come out of that and then become I don't know you become the, the top sportsman or the top speaker or anything in the world. See my thought on that really yeah I, I I can get quite controversial with things and upset a few people. I think adversity is what drives us. Mm. Yeah, if you're sat on your fat ass living <laughs> a good life and everything's provided for you, nothing's really going to change. It's the challenges yeah. that drive you. So I I presented to a group of people. I'm a member of the Association of Transformational Leaders of Europe. And I presented there that say that last year, the best thing that happened to the environment was Donald Trump. And there was silence. And that's people pondering as to what the hell is he on about. But what that caused, when he pulled out of the Paris Agreement, the Paris Agreement really was a farce. Lots of the things reported there, India was reporting 10% of the methane gas being released by cattle because they didn't want to let all of it. We just supply the figures people want to hear. Mm. And when Donald Trump pulled out, the world got angry, full of hate. Emotions that are supposed to be negative to you, but might be good for the world. Because then Tesla came out of the world. Arnie Schwarzenegger comes out. 
saying that we turned California around and made it really profitable to be using renewable fuels. That got the world stirred up. Otherwise, we'd all sat back complacent. We're achieving the Paris agreements. And in the meantime, the environment's a disaster. Yeah, nothing's actually changing. No. So that, that, no. that thing that everyone was so maybe criticising and kicking off about has actually had a positive effect. Yeah, I mean, it, it, something that happens to people, you know, it's, it's a common occurrence now. It used to be a real thing that was looked upon in dire, but redundancy, redundancy might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, you're yeah. sitting, bitching and moaning about going to work, a job you're not enjoying, and then they get made redundant and they're moaning about it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's the key where, you know, I, I like to talk about the baseball bat syndrome. Okay. Yeah, three strikes. You start to bitch and moan about something, that's saying because you're not happy with something in life. And then something gives you a little nudge to say, you probably should do something different. And the second one will come along if you're still bitching and moaning, and it'll give you a little bit more of a nudge. The third one, if you haven't listened, that's the baseball bat, which will take you out. Yeah, that's the redundancies. That's the wife ups and leaves. You go upstairs and all the clothes are gone out the wardrobe and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've had those nudges. Wake up. Yeah, you Wake up. Yeah, all the signals are inside you telling you if your life's good or bad. And if it's bad, then do something different. Nothing's going to change unless you do something different. That's that's the one thing that I I really struggle to um, understand at the moment is I know some people think they they can't change things. But if you truly want to change, you could find a way of doing something different. Like There's always going to be like... There's a... Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know, some people like him, some people don't, he's an entrepreneur, you'll see him on Facebook probably, and um, he, he was trying to encourage people to effectively leave their job and pursue their passions, and he said, he was he was basically saying, what are you scared of, because the 9 till 5 world will never stop, so if, if you go and try and pursue something, you're probably going to be able to find a job, it may not be as high paying, or it may not, but you're, you're, there'll be a safety net that you can go back to a 9 till 5 job somewhere, probably, and you'll probably do okay if your if your pursuit fails. Like, but people tend to be a bit nervous about actually leaving their comfort zones. Do you think that agree? Or? Well, let's go back to childhood. Yeah, if we took that attitude at childhood, yeah. So we're trying to learn to walk. We fall over. Well, that's a waste of time. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or learning to ride a bike. Yeah. A description of a master, isn't it? You know, let's go back to martial arts again. Perhaps a master is described as somebody that failed far more times than his student. Yeah, yeah. it's failure that makes us masters. Yeah, it's those mistakes. Because as intelligent we think the humankind is, you only have to look back at Shakespeare. We're still producing and doing the same mistakes all over again. If you look through the history of wars or or, or any history generally, mm. as humans we. We need to learn by experience, not by... We don't learn by studying, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's what NLP, Neuro Linguistic Program, and many other techniques really are just trying to get to the bottom of us. How can we do that quicker? Yeah. Now, one of those techniques, even used by the military now, is like visualisation. So if we went through scenarios in our head... Yeah, a lovely description I've ever heard. The best description I've ever heard of confidence is having done something once successfully now it doesn't matter to the brain it cannot distinguish really reality to fantasy so if you've done it in your brain all of the neurological pathways will have been set as if it's experienced it for real 
And this is where I suppose this links into the law of attraction. We were talking about this before as well, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. So, what? What? Give us your views on the law of attraction. Yeah, absolutely. One with the law of attraction. The thing that frustrates me the most out of it is there's a word in there that's hidden away, which is called action. Yeah, and that's where most people stop. They just want to do it in their heads. So, you know, I've even had people come to me saying that their objective, their measurement of success would be to win the lottery. But if you ask them if they've bought a lottery ticket, no. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I know that's a really simple thing, but the same yeah. can apply to people in life. They want to become an expert. Maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a writer, an author. So what are you doing? What are you finding out about writing? Who are you studying for best writers? Nothing. You know, if they just sat at home expecting it to come to them because they visualised it and not putting any effort in, you know, action. This is a yeah. physical world we're living in. There are, yes, your thought processes and getting all that right in your mindset, but you still have to do the physical parts to get it off the ground. 100%. So with that being said, what are you, what are you currently working on? What are your goals? I know... You want to impact, is it 300 million people? Yeah, that's my vision at the moment. I want to have a positive impact on 300 million people worldwide. Through your talking? Through the talking, through books, through online courses, even even when you do one-to-one. So what is is impact then as well? That's different. I'm not asking to work with 300 million people directly one-to-one. That would be impossible. But if you really thought about it in your life, the impact you have on people, so I said I worked in the corporate world. I had 1,100 people working for me then. Mm. Yeah, That's thousands of yeah, people yeah. I was reaching out to then. I think, nowadays with the internet, how easy to reach that number of figures. You know, I'm probably mm. underestimating the figure. I, th- I, th- I think you are underestimating it. If anything, I figured that one meeting with Donald Trump this year, you know, I would love to meet with Donald Trump this year and then I could have an impact on 250 million people in the US boom <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah. a big way to the goal yeah yeah no I I, I do think you are underestimating that though because if you think about it, you say you had 1,000 people uh, in the corporate world working for you if you put 1,000 people in a bad mood and they go home and there's four people in their household straight away that's 4,000 people isn't it they're in a bad mood but it goes on and on yeah. I, I was listening to um I can't remember who it was, but he had a similar, he was saying, um, if you're at the top of your field and say, he said, say the average person could maybe know a thousand people in this, that's quite a large number, but uh, well enough to maybe have some form of impact on them. And if them thousand people know a thousand people, you're two steps away from a million straight away, aren't you? Yeah. And then it it goes and it spirals. And he said, well, if then, then you're only one more step away from a billion in theory. Yeah, and then yeah. It, it, it is. I suppose it is the chain, isn't it? Like it happens with everything. Well, there's a few different ways of looking at goals as well. One, I would say, the bigger the goal, the bigger the motivation. Mm. Because if it's a huge goal, then you have to up your game of motivation, or you fail. And another way of looking at it, perhaps though, is if if it's a really difficult goal, then you set yourself a target that you can revisit and weigh up it again. Really. So let's say I achieve three hundred million in a year. Then, then I can really yeah, help yeah. my goal because then I'm really confident. I've done something successfully once, physically, not just in my head. Yeah, I may have done it numerous times in my head, but if I achieve that goal physically, then where do I stop then? <laughs> it's something that gets lost on fears, really. So I know a controversial one would be, you know, the amount of people that go and see perhaps Anthony Robbins, you know, who's 
Verdoux has made a huge business out of it. But why would somebody want to go and do a firewalk 15 or 16 times? Because that's one of the things there that's done as proving to overcome a fear, which is great. But why 15 or 16 times? Really, the principle should be if you remove the fear, if I remove fears for people of heights or spiders or whatever it is, really, it's then that you've proved yourself that something was holding you back in life and can be really destructive for people. Well, then what else can you do? That's the question you should be asking yourself, not how many times could I learn the fear of spiders again and overcome it? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you want to do that? That's just stupidity, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit like I'd say in the martial arts, you know, being hit twice in a row with the same technique. That's okay. That's the process of learning. The third time, that's just downright stupid, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. But it's not that we're stupid people. We just do stupid things. That, that's, you know, that's, that's where my business is created, you know. We've learned to do stupid things. Very often because there are what are called hidden benefits in it. Let me use a good example again of... Um, in Malaga with one trader there. So he would make six months, he'd make about 10 million pound. So he was small fried compared to some of the people there really, yeah. but he'd make 10 million pounds. And I'm thinking, that's, that's good pretty money. decent. Yeah. But then he'd lose it in an hour. Consistently he'd do the same pattern over and over again. He'd have to borrow the money, start all over again, he'd make the money and he'd lose it in an hour. So my question to him is, what's the benefit you get from losing the money? Because you're doing it for some reason. Now, he's looking at me as if I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there, there has to be something. And when we worked it out, it's because then people empathised with him. They had sympathy for him. He was craving he was sympathy. getting attention, getting social contact. Because when we went through his methodology of making the money, he'd be spending 20 hours a day, 18 hours a day, locked away, away from family and friends. And that losing the money got all that back again. So my advice to him was take 12 months doing it, socialise, go out, party, and at the end of it, give me 10%. <laughs> I'm not so sure if he listened to the last bit. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to hope so. Um, well, I'd like to talk about success, but also I'd like to... Well, what's your biggest setback been? Or can you think of a time you failed? Yeah, I can give that absolutely. So... We were, we were talking earlier, perhaps, as a good example. Last year, for some reason, making money, I was losing it as well. And it's something had triggered in my life. And I dug around and I managed to get back to an original, what I thought I'd made up in my head, really. But it appears that when I was four years old, I'd come out of a shop, I'd been given a birthday present and got all that excited. I ran out of the shop straight into a path of a car. Um, boom, knocked down by the car. Now, without going into all the details, really what that had set is a limiting belief on me that had been reignited. It wasn't there for a long time in my life, but something, and who cares what, you know? I don't want to go to a psychoanalyst, <laughs> spend next 12 years finding out what happened and all that. Yeah, it's just deal with it. Yeah. So it's very difficult to deal, even if you know all the techniques, it's very difficult to deal on yourself. So... I think every coach needs coaches as well. I think that's the same with every single Absolutely. Field. Yeah. So I, I went off to see a good friend. And we dealt with it. It doesn't matter how it happened or anything, but it had become something that brought it back out of the wardrobe or whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah, and became a real issue for me again. And every time I was making some money, it just 
it went. You know, something would just pop out of the woodwork and just draw it away. I'm happy to say we dealt with it. That's over and done with. You, nobody makes themselves perfect. This is still a process of learning. The, the people that are top of the game in the um, self-development world. A lovely story, one of my mentors at the moment is Marie Diamond from The Secret. So she tells a story about Jack Canfield. Now Jack Canfield, chicken soup for the soul, you know, massive, massive amounts of money he's made in the self-development. She tells a story that in San Diego, he had his office overlooking the bay, beautiful. But as you went in, his back was to you. So what's that saying to any customers and clients that come through the door? Now his business at the time had just gone static. It wasn't that he wasn't making any money. He just wanted to see it going up, not down, or not just plateauing. So something as simple as turning his desk around to face the door and face the clients. It's about his attitude, his mindset. It's what's he saying to himself, what's he saying to the world. Yeah. Then his business started taking off again. That's interesting. Now, the whether it's the environment or whatever, in some ways, does it even matter? Even if it just created a belief in him that then he's looking towards his customers, that's all that really matters, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And it's the result. Yeah. So some of the things I'm doing, really, I know sometimes I can be viewed by some people as being quite controversial in the <laughs> way I do things. If somebody's going in a direction I don't like, then I take the view of using harsh language or a bit of kick-ass coaching, really, to knock them off their feet emotionally, mentally, or sometimes physically. <laughs> and then we can send them in a new direction. Because people just get blinkered to it all. You get so wrapped up in the emotions of the pain, yeah, you cannot see a way out. So it takes somebody else to step in and show you there's a different way. I think that seems to be a common thing as well, doesn't it? You need you need to sort of step out and realise, like a lot of the small things maybe as well, that are uh, maybe seeming big, in your life probably aren't that big, are they? Once you sort of step out or... It's been able to see with the the new eyes, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, even if it's something as black black and white as deep mental illness, there, there is no other way because it's relative to you. It's no good talking to people who say, you know, if you remember when you were growing up, like if you didn't eat anything off your plate and you, your parents say, oh, there's kids in Africa would love that. It's relative. You, you, Your awareness of anybody in Africa at that age is non-existent. Yeah. So it's pointless talking to a child about it unless they've seen it, experienced it, and can appreciate, which is a lovely word, which literally means to put a value on something. Unless you can appreciate what they're actually talking about it has no relevance to you whatsoever does it no that's very true so could you give any examples i i don't worry if you can of change changing someone's path completely knocking them off the shock factor yeah yeah abs absolutely um we'll, we'll control the language back a bit really i'll say i <laughs> knock people off their feet a bit so a good example of one client here that uh <laughs> you, you clearly feel when some people's response back is just thinking this is BS really um, so through half the day of working with him I was getting that that back really until we reached a point really this this guy works for a very large company producing board games I shan't mention the names or anything really but was doing very well for himself in life uh, but 
in the conversation, and this happens with many of my clients, I'm just astounded very often by some of the things they've done or the skills or the, the wonderment that's inside them. So he announces he's a sound engineer. And in that process, then says, well, actually, at one point, I invented a new set of headphones to be able to look at, um, beg your pardon, to be able to hear music in a very different way. So I just go quiet. And then I say, you selfish bastard. And he said, you what? I can't get over what a selfish bastard you are. Now, after we've calmed him down a bit, <laughs> yeah, and I explain myself, I could be listening to music in the most amazing way. What stopped you? He said, well, I, I nearly signed a deal with Sony. So what stopped you? He said, well, I got a bit concerned about it. So your namby-pamby attitude stops me listening <laughs> to decent music. I cut a long story short, yeah. The end of it is, he was much cleverer. He went away and thought about it. Agreed to deal with Under Armour. What's Under Armour got to do with music? Nothing, yeah. But when you do a collaborative project to say then you can link it with somebody else. Mm. If you approach Emirates, let's say, as an airline to sell these premium headphones to get it off the market, then you're really talking. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, and it's not, that's just one example, but they're just, the amount of clients that come to me, and they're not perhaps in a job that they've really enjoyed, but then you unlock the potential. It's in all of us, really. All of us have amazing things we've got. You, know, you don't have to be some sort of genius or some, achieve some academic accolade. It can be fixing motorbikes, but you're just the best fixer of motorbikes in the world. <laughs> yeah. But each of us has that in there. We're just creating barriers for ourselves to do something about it. There's always reasons, excuses. And we can go back to blaming. You can blame teachers, you can blame parents and everybody else. It's you at the end of the day. Yeah, You've allowed those influences to take place. It takes a different set of eyes. Somebody that says you can, shows you the way to go about it and opportunity. So go out and find the mentors. Go out and find the experts that have done it before. How did they do it? We're back to modelling again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we've covered that. I want to know, what's a day in the life of Gary Jones? What's your ideal day or how? Oh, what, an what? ideal day. <laughs> well, outside of work, you mean? <laughs> it doesn't feel like work, really, does it? You know, An ideal day is seeing somebody smile. That's the positive impacts I want. It's just when you can see somebody that's in the crappiest of places. My wife here really is just amazed sometimes how it's written on it's written in the body. Your body is storing your emotions. That's it's just a vehicle for transferring your emotions around the world. Because it'll be in all the muscles, all of the tension, particularly in the face. You can see in somebody's face when they're mm. the pain that they're in, emotionally, mentally or whatever. And then when they leave here, and it's like, it's, it's like I'm a surgeon, really, <laughs> yeah, without without the cutting people. And it, all it is is just relaxing the face muscles, the body muscles, it's seeing them transfer into a different person. There's nothing more rewarding than that, is there? Yeah. I suppose if you're good at it as well, you're going to make a living from it. So, But in terms of an ideal day, I'd throw in, you know, there'd be lots of time for me exercising, getting out into nature. Much of what I do here is... If, if I'm working one-to-ones, we, we get out of the mountains or we get 
uh, about into nature as well and let that work with people for those obviously on the podcast we can't actually see um where we are but gary lives in a very picturesque area um in the countryside it's it's very nice um so he's quite close to nature. you got, got donkeys around here somewhere haven't you as yeah, well? yeah yeah they're my other two coaching clients really <laughs> that, that, you know that sounds comical but actually they are really sensitive to human emotions hey. yeah and horses are used um of a friend that uses that in post-traumatic stress disorder really using the horses but i will take clients down and meet the donkeys and the reaction i see from the donkeys yeah that's that's telling me where we are and it's a good measurement later on to go back down as well to see if they'll come across the paddock and actually meet and greet the people because otherwise they won't come anywhere near you you know they're they're working purely on instinct of looking after themselves so if somebody's not feeling in a good place they'll pick it up that's very interesting so do you get that with a lot of animals don't you as well I think, I think. Yeah, you get it. You get it in different ways as well. Isn't it? Cats. If people don't really like cats, you can guarantee a cat will go and sit on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like, yeah. Whereas some that. dogs just they don't care really. They'll just love anybody really yeah. if they can get some attention. But Awful. other dogs really, you know, I stuff. I stuff. Look after rescue rottweilers, and some of those. Yeah, you you know. Who's your friend and who's not really? <laughs> like, no, like, a dog know. would have a keener sense of that than you would. <laughs> Um, I've been asked by one of the listeners uh, to, to, I will do this at the end as well, to talk about books, but what would you, what, what was your notable book for you? What would you recommend if you had to recommend some books to people? Oh, recommended some books. Well, I would do from the NLP side, really, I would say that, you know, some of the Richard Bandler books um, are good. Paul McKenna, some of his books, just in basic stuff, really good to get get some people off their feet in terms of you know there's i can make you happy for instance really is one of his famous ones if you're in a not in a good place from a point of view depression or something really some some other books i recommend um one that's going to perhaps surprise people really is from a book from a long while back one would be the celestine prophecy Okay. Although that was a fictional book, there was a lot of really decent stuff and you need to dig around in that. One book that influenced me most in life, though, and in fact I run courses based upon it now, is called The Dice Man. Okay, what's that the, about? The Dice Man was written by Luke Reinhardt under a pseudonym. Um, and that was about a failed psychologist, really, or psychotherapist, rather, um, that decided to hand his life over to fate and just whatever the dice gave him as up as a number relative to a behavior he carried out so very early on when i was 17 i worked in a job that I was really bored in and uh, a friend of mine and myself we used to play that game and if anything looking back we probably took it to some real extremes <laughs> that i wouldn't recommend uh, but it's, i use it in courses now and it very successfully and on some of the retreats that helps people find out who they are perhaps i can explain that a wonderful guy visit here and to tell you about the nature of him really so turning up on the retreat um, he brought a load of Jamaican bread he brought a plant for my wife um, and, and was just really nice to people that got here now the strange thing is I don't know what happens with the dice but you throw them and people get the opposite of what their behaviours are so when he threw the dice he got that he had to argue everything that somebody said he had to argue the opposite point and then the second time he threw the dice was to be really aggressive with people as well. 
So some people remember to stay in the method acting that it's implying, and some people forget. That day we'd gone to the mountains. When we come back to the mountains and all sat down for a review at the end of the evening, there wasn't much good to say about Leon from the point of view of everybody else. So my point at the end of it was, who were you angry? Who were you angry at? Were you angry at the role he was playing? Or who he actually was? Now perhaps we could apply that to traffic wardens, <laughs> policemen, tax collectors. So the next time we're really peed off with somebody, is it the role they're playing or who they are? It could be parents, could be teachers, could be a boss at work. Just something to think on about. I like that. Who yeah. are you? Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to turn that into one of my little, uh, my little pictures and put the quote on. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to go over we haven't covered? I would like to talk about hypnosis actually as well. Yeah, lots of misnomers about hypnosis. Yeah, um, I've even been at, I've been at exhibitions where people have walked by covering their eyes as they're walking by and everything, <laughs> thinking you're going to throw them into some deep hypnotic state. It's, it's really nothing magical at all. Most of the stuff you see on Saturday evening shows on the television, that's picked from hundreds of people and it whittles them down to people that want to behave in a rather silly way, like clucking like chickens or something. It's just a change of state. So if you've ever driven to work and then you've got to work and you can't even remember how you got there or the drive, if you were sat watching the television... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. I did this coming back from Nottingham yesterday in a world of my own, ended up in rugby somehow on the way to Hereford. <laughs> so, yeah, I added about 40 miles to my journey. Well, that's a hypnotic state. If if you're watching the television and you're just totally engrossed or, or at the cinema or something, that's an hypnotic state. If anything, if you're in a hypnotic state in, in working with a proper hypnotist, you're more aware of your environment. You've just gone internal looking at your environment instead of just bumbling along as you normally do in a day so I do though, want to say the point lots is said about hypnotists cannot make you do anything you don't want to well this is where I get controversial that's bullshit as well <laughs> yeah yeah the best hypnotists out there marketeers does a child get born thinking the only thing I want to do is move towards a golden M and buy chicken McNuggets all the time. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no. But that's a form of hypnotism called marketing. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's influence. Now, the hypnotism as a clinical hypnotist or if you're trying to work as a hypnotherapist to get people to do better things, it's still they enact them. You're not actually forcing anybody, but you're just showing them a different way. You're taking them into a different state and they can still make the choice. Now, if I was in marketing, that's what I would say. I show them chicken McNuggets, and they still have the choice whether they want to buy them or not. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'm running some circles around there of getting people deliberately to think about things a bit deeper. Mm. And what are the things influencing you? Are those thoughts in your head really yours or somebody else's? Who's doing the speaking inside your head? And what are the things you really believe in? I feel like I'm at a therapy session. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. But the, but the real key about hypnotism is actually what, what you do, 
is it's just a deep form of rapport. So if, if I'm working with hypnotism with somebody, I actually go into a hypnotic state first. Okay. And they come with me. So there's also lots of things talked about hypnotism levels and you know, some people can be hypnotized and some can't. That's another load of bullshit. Right? That's just a shit hypnotist. Okay. <laughs> right, that's what that is, yeah. If you can't be hypnotized, you just went to a shit hypnotist. Yeah. And that's not decrying everybody out there, there's different levels. It's just like you go to a GP, there are some really good ones. And there's some it's probably best to steer clear of. Yeah. It's just well, the way of the world, you know. It's it's not that good or bad. It's yeah. just the way it is. So would you recommend hypnotism to people? I I think there are huge amounts of applications. I not think, I know. You know yeah. I, I know I've experienced what I've allowed changes to take people in places by showing them a different way, really. In a way, what am I in the business of, really? There's, there's two, two words I tend to use about what I'm doing. Permission. And the other bit that I add perhaps that some others don't accountability so if you're looking to come to me and just have a shoulder to cry on it's probably the wrong place to come <laughs> yeah now the, sometimes yeah with clients yes there are tears yeah but i'm going to hold you accountable i want to see that change i've got an amazing guy for instance in um, florida at the moment it's a gym owner but was given two hundred thousand dollars for guy to set up the gym now his issue then is he's carrying that debt, mm. right? So, but there's no accountability back. So he worked brilliantly when he's employed by somebody, but now he's self-employed. There's no accountability. So he's got a young boy of two years old. So I drew up a contract. He's now working for his son, <laughs> yeah, to provide his education, to provide a house for him when he's older. Yeah. So now there's accountability. Because I can't be there 24 hours a day. He's in Florida, yeah? I can't kick his ass directly. Mm. Yeah? But if he feels accountable to his son, who he loves and adores above everything else in life, well, there you go. Just because if you can't find self-discipline, find something to give you the discipline. Yeah, it's you know, another controversial thing. I'm busy writing a book at the moment on justice. And what I mean by that is that nobody judges us more than ourselves. Mm. So, and this is the controversial bit, I think that, if you did a criminal act, you'd expect to be punished for it mm. and you'd expect to serve a sentence. Now, if we've done something in our lives, perhaps we expect to be punished and serve a sentence as well. But there's no sentence. It's open-ended. So it's for the rest of your life. So maybe you could say to yourself, I would go off and do 10 hours of charity work in the community and then it's over and done with. Maybe that would clear it. Just a thought. Hmm. To like basically give yourself your own sentence to get rid of. Yeah. Be your own judge and jury. It's quite interesting. I don't recommend that to everyone that's actually committing crimes, but um, <laughs> but but in your own life, that sounds very interesting. I like that. Yeah. Um, you could make a film called The Punisher about that, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So, what are your what 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 would you like to leave our audience with? What's your finishing? What what's Gary Jones's? Finisher. Well, let's, let's talk about the smiles, really. So there was a huge study done in terms of trying to find out, does, it, does emotion, does happiness cause you to smile? Or is it the act of smiling that makes you feel happy? 
Well, like most things in life, actually, about dualities, both are true. So that in all the scientific studies that have been done, that's what you're left with. So if you're feeling down, why not try smiling properly anyway? That means showing a bit of teeth. That means the crow's feet at the edge of your eyes are actually engaged. So it's not a Gordon Brown grimace. <laughs> it's a proper smile. Yeah. Making yourself smile will make yourself feel better. Try looking up to the right-hand side from your eyes. We say things are looking up. It's because when you are, they do. So if you're feeling down, make sure you're smiling. And try the little hack of looking at Yeah. Like that. Right. Oh, one more thing. Can we just talk about ABC? I know we mentioned this before. What What is that? So one of the core principles I use, whether I'm doing international speaking or just working one-to-one, it's important that we don't take people too seriously. So go out and investigate everything in life, but investigate it from your point of view. It's relative to you. So I use a principle of ABC. Accept nothing, believe nothing, check everything. So the really important bit in that is the check everything. That means go ahead and experience it for real. Not theorise about it, not just read a book. How many people have got self-development books, 30 or 40 of them on the shelf, but have never even tried or followed through on any of the techniques in it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've bought all these issue, books yeah. and I'm still depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? so go out and check it and it may be relative this year it doesn't work for you but things change in your life you're developing you're going through a process of evolution that could be physically where you do an exercise but your body shape your flexibility just isn't workable with that exercise now but in a year's time in two years time maybe it will be all right thank you very much gary excellent So that was podcast three. Thanks very much to Gary for coming on. If you liked what you heard, Gary has a Facebook page called Gary Jones Coaching. That's Gary with two R's. So if you liked what you heard, go and give that a like and a follow. Um, He also has a Facebook group called Gary Jones Mind and Body Hacks for tips and tricks to use within your daily life. Our next podcast should be with Tim Crockett, ex-SBS, now training to row the Atlantic solo and unsupported in support of veterans suffering from PTSD. If you'd like to check out his uh, campaign, it's tamethekraken.com. You will also find Tame the Kraken on Facebook and Instagram, and they've currently got a GoFundMe to help with the fund, so obviously any donations would be greatly appreciated by Tim and obviously the veterans he's raising money for. So check them out. Thank you very much and I'll see you next time.